Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. I am in the house. Welcome, welcome. Well, I never said that before. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what our opening buzz quote is. Oh, we have a very, very famous quote from W. Edwards Deming, D-E-M-I-N-G, 1900 to 1993, American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant. And here is the quote. I think you all know this one. In God we trust. All others bring data. Aha. So what are we talking about today? It's the middle of 2019. Actually, it's just a little bit past because we are live today on Tuesday, the 23rd of July. Where is the year going? And here's the breaking news. Your same old business structures, what we used to call status quo, your models, your processes, uh uh-uh, they're not going to do it anymore. They're not going to keep your business thriving. They're not going to keep you competitive. They're not going to keep future brilliant talent coming into your doors and wanting to work with you. But what can you do about it? Well, we want to tell you that data is your most valuable asset next to your employees, of course. Data, data, data. How do we know that? Well, we look at the largest businesses by market capitalization and what do we learn from them? First of all, they're platform-based business models. And second of all, they are leveraging data in the right context, the right place, the right time to turn it into a sustainable competitive advantage. I know that's a lot to get your arms around, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you're not on board yet, if you're not looking at your data, what do you need to do? Well, our experts are going to tell you you need to change how you collect, manage, and monetize your data. So our topic today is data, fueling the digital economy. That's a nice spin on the usual phrases we hear about data. Welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I have three special experts for you today. We're going to be meeting in a moment, and they're going to tell us who they are and what they do. Mike Price at Capgemini, Fiona Critchley, hasn't been on in a long time. Welcome back, Fiona. And, of course, Mark Giall at SAP, who's one of the sponsors of this series. So let's have my guests introduce themselves and tell us just a little bit about your background. Mike Price, VP, Global SAP Practice Leader, Insights and Data Global Business Line at Capgemini. That's a big title. Mike, how are you today? (laughs) Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We're delighted to have you. You're our newcomer on the panel. So tell us, what do you do? What do you do as Insights and Data Global Business Line at Capgemini? What's your role and why is this topic important to you, Mike Price? Sure. Sure, I've been I've been with the firm a long time, uh, over fifteen years, Bonnie, and and over time, uh, you know, being being at a company this long and being in in information technology for as long as I have, over you know over thirty years, uh, we've seen the 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 prevalence. Everybody has anybody that's listening to this has seen the prevalence and the importance of data. We've seen well. the prevalence of data and the importance of data. So, so my role within the firm has 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 evolved over time, different roles. And where I am now is uh, is responsible for uh, SAP globally, for what we call our Insights and Data Global Business Line. And uh, that global business line spans multiple geos around the world. And we have to come together as one Capgemini 
across multiple geographies within each of our market units and really have a uh, uh, an, an answer for you know for our clients and and, and for our um, for our industry really. So that's what I'm doing. Thank you, Mike. Would you say data, which is our topic today, is that fueling everything you do in your line of work? It does. So when we talk about insights and data, uh, it's truly that. It's insights and data. Well, you know, if you're, if you're going to drive insights and value in your business, no matter what your market unit or your, whatever your sector, your subsector is, you can't do any of that, right? AI, data science, analytics, machine learning, you can't do anything without the data, So, yes, it fuels everything we do. Thank you very much. Good to meet you. And let's go on to one of our returning panelists. Thank you. Did you call me, (laughs) ma'am? I did. Never, never, never. Thank you very much. (laughs) Forbidden. I didn't tell you that on our prep call. Thank you, Mike. We'll get along fine from now on. Fiona Critchley is back. UK Insight and Data. There's that word again. Data CTO at Capgemini. Fiona, how have you been? It's been a while since you've been on the air with me. And tell us, update us on what is your role and what do you do? What does data mean to you, Fiona? Um, well, what I've been doing since we last talked is I've been working as part of our global practice, which cuts across technologies, and is fundamentally looking at how do we uh, how do we do business transformation uh, by delivering AI and analytics at scale, and that immediately gets tracked back to. And um, I think the topic of my last session with you was also data, and it was the data swamp. But it um, tracks back to the fact that if you want to be able to implement AI and analytics at scale to drive business transformation, then it's got to be about how changing your relationship with data, the way you manage, orchestrate, and, and work with data. So the other part of my uh, global portfolio role is really looking at uh, data-centricity foundations as part of a, a modern enterprise or next-generation data and AI platform. So what we're looking at is how do we create a secure, trusted, democratized data set that can actually supercharge business transformation. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Fiona. Always happy to have you on the show, and welcome back. And now let's go to one of our sponsors. We're always happy to have Mark Eall on the show. His title right now is Senior VP and Global Head of SAP Platform and Technologies Ecosystem. That's another long title. Mark, welcome back, and just update us on what you've been up to recently, and tell me what does data mean to you? Hey, Bonnie. Well, thanks for having me, as always. Um, hmm. What have I been up to recently? Well, I've, I've been doing a lot of cycling, actually, <laughs> which doesn't really have a lot to do with data. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's keep, me, keep me occupied when I've, I've not been working hard. Um, from a work, work standpoint, um, we are looking at how do we, we bring together our overall technology portfolio at SAP for our partners so that they can solve some of these data problems that, uh, mm-hmm. that Mike and Fiona just, uh, just alluded to. So, you know, this is a, a key topic area for us. We're looking at how do we work with the right types of partners to introduce those new disruptive business models that you articulated at the start of the show and uh, make sure that, that our customers get the value from that of that growing ecosystem. 
Thank you very much, Mark. Wonderful to have you, and happy cycling. We'll talk more about that later. Now it's time for the quotes. I ask my guests, always on Game Changers Radio, to send me an interesting quote that has nothing specifically to do with the topic, and then relate it creatively, philosophically, poetically, however they wish, to our topic, which obviously is very serious. So Mike Price at Capgemini has sent us a quote from William Faulkner. This is an interesting one. William Cuthbert Faulkner, 1897 to nineteen sixty. American writer, Nobel Prize laureate. He was from Oxford, Mississippi. Well, how about that? One of the most celebrated writers in American literature generally and Southern literature specifically. His works, A Fable from 1954 and his last novel, novel, The Reavers, 1962, won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. I'll just leave it there. Anybody who doesn't know him, look him up. F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. Here's the quote. Don't do what you can do. Try what you can't do. Mike Price, these are words to live by. So how does this relate to our topic about data? you got to draw the dotted line for me, please. Sure. And if, you, if, if anybody's familiar with Faulkner, you, you realize that he was a run-on writer. He, a paragraph might last two or three pages. So this might be the shortest <laughs> thing he ever said. Uh, but... But the point is, the point is, Bonnie, and it's personal as well as it's professional. Is is to me what what Faulkner said. You notice he said, "Try what you can't do." He didn't say, "Do what you don't do what you can do." Do what you can't do. He said, "Try," and and that to me is the key word here. So you know, in the world of so, I do that in a person personally, right? I try to do things that I don't believe I know how to do and learn from them. But then the way it relates to this topic is that, is that data and the volumes and, and what we believe we can do, the, the opportunity to monetize data can be very paralyzing. So a lot, of, a lot of companies, a lot of our clients, a lot of folks that we talk to from an advisory perspective, we, tr- we tell them to try, try something, identify multiple hypotheses with your data prove or disprove those hypotheses. You might fail, which is the point in trying. But if you if you succeed in, say, two out of 20 hypotheses with your data, you just might change your business. So that's that's why I really like this one, personally and professionally, in this, in this uh, context, if you will. Thank you, Mike. I like that, too. It seems to me words to live by, but I'm thinking of something that we've been familiar with the past few years in terms of design thinking. I think they say fail fast, fail often. And I believe there's a famous quote from Einstein, is it? Uh, I've, I haven't failed a 100 times. I've just found out 99 ways to keep trying or that I didn't have it right. Something like that. So right. try what you can't do. That's 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 a good mantra for life and also for business. And I appreciate the, the context of data. We're going to talk more about that later. Thank you, Mike. Fiona Critchley has sent us a very well-known quote, and so appropriate this week. It's from John John F. Kennedy, JFK, 1917 until November 22nd, 1963, when he was assassinated, 35th president of the U.S. And yes, I remember where I was the day... It happened. It still brings chokes to chokes my throat and tears to my eyes. It was a, a very, very impactful day in American history. Here's the quote from JFK. Uh, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Fiona, what a beautiful quote. And this is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, which some people are debating was fiction. And those of us who remember it believe it was true. So, Fiona, tell me, how in the world does this quote relate to our topic about data? Um, 
Well, I think last time what we talked about it, it is my favourite case quote, and I related it back to data around the orchestration and management of data being so hard. But I think uh, with the moon landing uh, and 50 years of the moon landing, I think it's a moment to take stock. Because if you think about it, we, uh, we collectively as a planet got a man to the moon 356 kilometres away, 1,000 kilometres away, um, on technology that was smaller than the... Uh, USB port in your, in your pocket or the uh, Wi-Fi router that's sitting on your, your kitchen uh, counter. So if you actually think we're at a very interesting point in history where technology um, is completely transformed, um, we're looking at capability that's millions, if not billions, times faster and more capable than we used to get a man on the moon. So we're sitting there and saying technology is creating and enabling uh, the transformation of data today, which is going to create a step change in the world we live in. Um, so if we think about how revolutionary going to the moon was and the technology we use to achieve that, imagine what we can do with data today. Thank you very much. Wonderful quote. It, it does bring a tear to the eye. And uh, yes, interestingly enough, this is the 20th anniversary this year of the Matrix movie. And I'm getting a lot of quotes from the Matrix. And I'm happy to see a quote back to what actually happened. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Thank you. And we're still discovering those leaps with data. Fiona, wonderful quote. Very appreciated. Marky all said to me, Bonnie, I just can't have one quote on the show. I want two opening quotes. So I said, of course, Mark, since you're the sponsor of this series and such a gentleman, how can I say no? So I'm going to read. The one is from Ernest Hemingway, uh, 1899 to 1961, American journalist, novelist, short story writer, and sportsman, won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 54. And the other quote is from George Bernard Shaw, 1856 to 1950. And he simply wanted to be called Bernard Shaw, but we insist on using his first name, George. I don't know why. Irish playwright, critic, polemicist, and political activist. And he is the author, in case you don't know, of Pygmalion 1912, which we know is My Fair Lady. Here are the quotes from Ernest Hemingway. First quote, I like to listen. I learn a great deal from listening. Most people never listen. And the second quote from Bernard Shaw, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Mark, take it away. Well, thanks, Bonnie, for letting me have uh, the two quotes. Um, no, I think I think these two these two quotes really sort of um, you know summarise the, the challenge in many ways that that corporates now have. Right, everyone talks about data as as the new oil and and how we now need to trust in this data to to make these these great business decisions. But you know, at the end of the day, you need to listen. Right, you need to listen to the signals. You need to understand the impact um, of those sig- signals. And one of the challenges we have culturally is, is people tend not to listen. So if they're not listening to individuals or they're not listening to their peers, why, why do we suddenly think that they're going to listen to, to the signals in the data and respond to that in, in the most effective way? Um, and then, you know, this, I think, leads nicely into uh, a short quote, right, in terms of those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. And I think this is this is what we're going through. We're going through a period of significant change where, you know, the different signals are giving us different inputs. They're leading us to draw different conclusions, and we can't get wedded to that. I mean, you mentioned before, you know, fail fast, fail frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a, a similar requirement here, which is, you know, we we need to be adapting our mindset. We need to be adapting our point of view based on the information, based on the 
the conclusions that we're drawing from these new data sets. And if we can't do that, we won't we won't extol the business value from them. So without without that flexibility and that willingness to listen, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna reap these benefits. Very interesting. Thank you. And and Mark, I think this also goes to a philosophy of life. Most people never listen, and today we're bombarded with so much media every second of every day, digitally and audio-wise and and wherever you get your news, wherever you interpret what people are trying to say to you, the question is, what should you pay attention to? And doesn't this go to really with data? We talk about this, Mark, on many of our other Game Changers shows. There's so much data. How do you know which data to use? Is it old? Is it new? How do you know how to get the best analytics from it? Turn it into actionable information. And what should you be, quote-unquote, listening or paying attention to in terms of data? I think Fiona mentioned uh, data swamps before. We talk about that. There's so much data. So the challenge really is being open but knowing what to do with it. Am I on the right track there, Mark Gill? Absolutely. And this is, this is where we, we, we get into one of the major challenges that, that many of our customers face, which is the, the, the risk is you get, you, you get swamped with the data, right? You get inundated with the data. You, you don't trust it. You mm-hmm. can't trust it. Um, and then, you know, the, the question is, you know, how how do you make those decisions, right? I mean, we, we, we talk about yes. fake news uh, a lot, and I think the, the same is true in terms of the business data that is there. We need to, to trust in that so that we can, you know, be sure that we're making the right types of decisions. But you're not always going to make the right decision, but you need to you need to make sure that, that you know, the foundation for that decision is, is, is at least uh, in place. Very insightful. Thank you, Mark. Thank you all. We're going to do a quick round. We're doing very well on time here today, interestingly enough, and we're not talking fast. We're just talking. We're going to go around the table and get to know our panelists just a little bit better. So, Mike Price, two questions for you. Where in the world are you today? A hemisphere, a continent, a region would be fine, unless you want to give us a city. We don't need the block number. And we'd love to know what's your favorite drink that powers you. Mike Price. Sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm sitting in Atlanta, Georgia, which Bonnie may may uh, may explain why I called you, ma'am, and may explain also why I'm <laughs> I know. William Faulkner. <laughs> I know. That's just, that's, that's just who I am. Uh, I've been in Atlanta for uh, since 1982, and and call it home, and um, and it's it's the base out of which I travel pretty much everywhere uh, around the world. Um, and as far as drinks go, I, you know, it's it's ten twenty a.m. Eastern time, so I'm a I'm not a uh, I'm not a breakfast cooking person. So I I generally start my day with, um, you know, with a uh, a smoothie of some kind or a, mm-hmm. or a shake of some kind. It's it's strawberries and bananas and blueberries and whatever whatever happens to be in the refrigerator uh, from mm-hmm. a fruit perspective, and add some protein and. And you know, spin it up in one of those magic bullets, and jump in my uh, jump in my my car, and go to work, or go to the airport, or what have you. So that that's that's where I start because I, I need that I need that energy, and I don't necessarily want to you know cook. Uh, but I will tell you this: um, being a true southerner and being originally from Kentucky, I like to end my days when it makes sense with a uh, with a good Kentucky uh, uh, bourbon whiskey. I knew that was coming as soon as you said with a good Kentucky, I was going to blurt out bourbon, but I didn't want to steal your fire. So you're a, Mike, Mike, Mike. You have to have vice. (laughs) 
You're, you're a true Southern gentleman. I knew when you said ma'am, I said he's got to be in the South. I'm a New York transplant down here in Durham. So if I lean out the window, although it looks like it's going to start to rain, the curly red hair and the waving hand, that's me. Can you hear, Can you see me, Mike? Can you want to wave back? Indeed. <laughs> okay, thank you. Indeed. Nice to meet you, and maybe we'll get together for a bourbon one of these days. I don't I'm drink, good. but I'd, I'd love to participate. I'll tell jokes or something. Thank you, Mike. Fiona Critchley, you're up next. Where are you in the world today? I know we called you somewhere and what do you love to drink these days Fiona? Sure um, well I'm on the uh, south coast just south of London uh, brilliant sunny day so I've got a few more hours and then I'm going to wander down to the beach so um, I've got quite a nice evening ahead of me. Um, so um, what do I drink? Um, I think you told me not to it can't be coffee and to not make a political reference. So I'm gonna it can be coffee but it's got to be interesting coffee really interesting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think last time we spoke, it was it was uh, champagne, and it was only Dom Perignon. But uh, yes. in theory, that's still it is still my favourite drink. But I'm uh, I'm uh, at the moment trying to be healthier. So uh, my latest addiction is uh, a tad uh, more boring, and it's spicy tomato juice, which I can both start and finish the day with. Um, but in a in a similar way to last time, I thing I do, I want it to have multiple outcomes. So um, I actually like drinking tomato juice, even without the vodka in it. Um, it's actually <laughs> good for me. Um, I'm trying to be healthier. So uh, when I'm hungry, I calm myself into thinking it's tomato soup, which really just points out how open to suggestion I can be. And, and obviously, <laughs> the, the final comment, the only negative is uh, there's a slight side effect. I think I'm overdoing it, so I'm turning a tad orange. Whoa, okay. Well, thank you very much, Fiona. Lovely to have you back, and uh, you, you can drink coffee anytime you want. Just some people say, I'm drinking a boring cup of cold coffee. I wish I was drinking something else, and I'm trying to pep it up a little. I love the idea of spicy tomato juice. We have something here in the States called V8, which is tomato juice with all kinds of things added to it, and I know that can be the basis for a Bloody Mary. Do you like Bloody Marys, too? Well, yes, um, and in my youth, I gave up tomato, spicy tomato juice to give up vodka, but uh, in my old age, I'm, I'm able to do the tomato juice without the vodka. Oh, that's funny. I gave up tomato juice to give up vodka. That, that's a good, that's a quotable moment. You heard it here. I'm not going to tweet it, I promise, Fiona. I'll, I'll keep that just between us. Mark Dior, I'm not going to say, can you follow these acts, but go ahead, Mark. Where are you today, and what do you love to drink? So today I'm in Germany. So I'm at the uh, I'm at the mothership today in Germany. Um, for a series of meetings over the next two to three days, uh, where it's starting to get quite hot and steamy. So I think the the, the temperature is going to get over uh, well over sort of the mid 30s tomorrow. That's sunscreen, not Fahrenheit. So not, a little bit too warm, given that there's no air conditioning in some of the offices here in in Waldorf. Um, in terms of what am I drinking, you know, Bonnie, I like to try and um, link my drink to the episode. And when I mm-hmm. when I did a, a quick Google of data and drinking, uh, what it came up with actually was how most people in the UK drink far too much. Um, but what I oh. what I what I did find what I did find, and this is what I'm drinking today, is. Uh, it's called Alderbaran Whiskey. So that's A-L-D-E-B-A-R-A-N. And the reason why I'm drinking this today is this was the drink that Data from Star Trek was drinking in a very famous yes. episode. And you know, Data was a 
was a, effectively a cyborg, right, that wasn't able to eat or drink, but famously was, was drinking this very obscure and very rare whiskey. Um, and this was the, the only interesting link I could find to data and drinking. So Aldebaran whiskey is what I'm drinking today. I love it. And I just looked it up. You knew I was going to. Aldebaran whiskey was a strong green alcoholic beverage favored by Guinan, G-U-I-N-A-N, who kept a bottle behind the bar in 10 forward. It was a gift from her friend Jean-Luc Picard. There you go. And that's on a site called Fandom, powered by Wikia, Star Trek Timelines Wiki. It's all over the place on Star Trek. Thank you very much. How did Data not know what Aldebaran whiskey was? In the TNG episode Relics, where Scotty returns, Data serves Scotty a glass of a green liquid, which he cannot identify. It's later identified by Picard as Aldebaran whiskey. Very interesting. From the TNG era, probably an era in which none of us would ever live, but thank you very much. Mark, always very colorful to talk with you about the drink. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. A fairly recent transplant coming up end of August will be two years. Hard to believe. And I am not allowed to have anything with alcohol or caffeine in it on radio show days. And I have another live show an hour after we're done. So you understand why. Mike Price probably gets that. It's an inside joke. Uh, Yes, no caffeine for me. It's um, uh, for a change. We're not going to reach 100 degrees. That's Fahrenheit mark here. We've been hitting the 100, 110 real field temperature mark for about a week now. And it's amazing that anything is still living in the garden out here. It's just quite, quite a story. Uh, It's too hot to leave the house, too hot to leave the office, and you have to pre-air condition your car before you go anywhere. It's just brutal here. But today they say a little bit of rain and 82 degrees. And I am looking for, I don't believe it, but Alexa never lies to me. So here we are. We're on Game Changing Business Model Disruption Radio. There's a wonderful series we started a couple years ago here on Game Changers. The topic today is data fueling the digital economy. My very special guests are Mike Price at Capgemini, Southern gentleman who re- who will no longer call me ma'am, Fiona Critchley at Capgemini in the UK, and Mark Giall at SAP in Germany. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back just 90 little seconds. And when we come back, Mike Price will kick off our also very lively roundtable. So here we go. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future success of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerating ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business disruption catalysts, new platform business models, agile innovation, a thriving ecosystem, and an API economy are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of business. Game Changing Business Model Disruption is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption. Here we are. We're back talking about that big four-letter word, data, D-A-T-A, fueling the digital economy. Very special guest today, Mike Price at Capgemini, Fiona Critchley at Capgemini, and Mark Eall at SAP. If you want to look up Mark, his name is a little bit of an interesting one to spell G-E-A-L-L, and he has schooled me to say Gial and not Gial, so there you go. Mike Price at Capgemini is going to help me kick off the formal roundtable part of the show, and here is part of what Mark Mike told me before the show, and then I'll let him tell us more. So he says, the challenge of data monetization is only going to get even more difficult with more data at greater velocities from more Sources, Mike Price, tell us more, please. Sure. Yeah. So, so Bonnie, what 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 I find and what we find is that is that companies are are play certainly struggle with this issue, right? With in terms of data, of course. Um, um, and it is going to get more difficult because, in large senses, uh, many people that we talk to are actually just kind of playing defense. Right, and you're you know playing defense in the sense that trying to just trying to stay you know on the you know on the trajectory or on the you know on the the maturity curve, uh, and it gets but you can't keep up. It gets even more and more difficult, and 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 reasons that it gets more difficult are platform, right? Having the right modernized platform, and and Fiona certainly can speak to that. It, it's the right operating models. Um, in terms of how the how the uh, a company is organized to be a data centric organization, um, but then also from a business perspective, it's very staggering and paralyzing because because while while information technology is certainly progressing and the platforms are progressing and we can modernize those platforms and we can we can derive uh, business models that 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 help shape a data centric culture. Even then, it's like, well, what am I going to do with the data, though, to drive a, a business outcome? And I, I kind of equate it to, um, to chaos theory as, as an example because, you know, data, it's growing. It's massive. You can't see it. It's floating around the air right now as we speak. It's digital. It's just, it's just growing, growing, growing. So how do you make sense of that, of that chaos? And, and that's the challenge that businesses have. The reason I equate it to chaos theory is that the data might look like it's chaotic, but if you if we create like in chaos theory, if we create what we call an attractor, for example, that attracts the data, meaning an attractor might be a business use case. If we can create business use cases that make sense both internal to the business and external to the you know to what we're trying to accomplish in the market, those use cases will attract the data and make and make sense of the chaos of the data. And then we can place it on the platforms and then we can, and then we can manage and govern it through a, you know, through an organizational model. So it's, um, it's a very, it's, it's a very multidimensional way of thinking of, of data in my, in my opinion. 
Very interesting. I like the introduction of the concept of chaos theory, and I think it's time somebody put that word in the same sentence with the increasing velocity, volume, and sources of data. Thank you, Mike Price. No, that's that's a good reality check. We're we're not here to solve all the problems on the show. We're here to open the eyes of our listeners and the ears. Uh, Mark, going back to some of your quotes, open their ears and their minds to what the challenges are and, and help them move in a way that can solve the issues. But it's also good to have these reality checks. Fiona, Critchley also at Capgemini. Talk to us, agree or disagree with what Mr. Price just shared with us. Fiona? Yeah, no, I, I, I have to admit I, I agree with what he's, what he's saying, but um, I suppose there's a build. You know, I'm, sometimes I'm a little bit too literal. So when people started saying to me, you got to monetize data, I kept thinking, well, if you're not capable of orchestrating, managing, structuring uh, your own data, how are you then going to sell it and make money out of it? And, and obviously, I had to sort of pull myself up short. Um, and it's exactly what Mike's saying. Even when you're monetizing data and going out to an external market, you're really monetizing the value that you can get out of data. And so quite often, you're probably um, in the modern ecosystem creating a new product or a new route to market or a new way of engaging with the world, leveraging your data with potentially external data to create a new value proposition in the marketplace. And so that's far more than just about technically making your data available. It's a whole people process technology and data change. Uh, and for some organizations, they go as far as setting up, you know, a standalone which is really focused on the art of using internal and external data to create new value propositions customers and vendors and let's be honest you know if you look at uber and airbnb and we say we say this a lot you know early adopters of big data and and, and analytics have been really successful um but what they're actually doing is they're creating new business models and new value propositions because of the ability to harness big data Um, and so they wouldn't have existed without big data it's not that they suddenly existed as an entity in their own right and then started using big data and so I think some of the monetization of data that organizations have to embrace it's those you know it's that moving outside your your paradigm and looking at how you can uh, create those new routes those new business value propositions those new business processes that are going to enable you to drive value out of um, data, both internally, but also um, monetizing it externally. Thank you very much, Fiona. Great insights. Mark, you all join us. Agree or disagree with anything or everything from Mike Price and or Fiona Critchley. Go ahead, Mark. I think I mean, very much agree. Um, certainly agree with some of the challenges that organizations are facing. I think, you know, generally we as human beings are probably quite data value naive, right? And, mm. and, and what I mean by that is, you know, we're, we're very good at the, the value of tangible objects, but, but data is, is somewhat intangible, right? It's these bits and bytes that are, that are floating around the internet, floating around our, our business systems. And, the value of that in many ways is is dependent on how you interpret the data, right? So, the, you know, the value of a piece of data is different to me than it is to you, Bonnie. So how do you price that? And how do we make sure that that, that is, a, you know, an equitable exchange and, and the value really occurs? And I think, you know, we as, as individuals probably haven't fully got our head around that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the culture piece that, that the culture piece that Shona alluded to, right? I think many organizations today have 
have evolved as as you know data hierarchies, right? I mean, you you have limited information flow. You know, data is not generally shared within the organization. The CEO has everything, but you know, it, it, only subsets of that are passed through the organization. Yet we're now trying to flip the model on its head, right? We're we're now trying to make it available to everyone, and we're trying to commercialize it. And I think that that raises a whole host of, of challenges in terms of, you know, the aggregation of data, you know, the trust associated with the data, um, but also how do you, how do you deliver, you know, sustained value and, and what's, what, how does, how does aging of that data impact its value, right? I mean, there's a, there's a time value of, of, of data in the same way as there's a time value of money in many ways. So these are challenges that, that all of our customers need to, to address if they are to, to really sort of deliver the value from this sort of this this move to, to data as a as a as a key commodity or a key business asset that they have. Thank you very much, Mark. And I want to clarify for our audience when Mark says our customers, he's referencing his role at SAP, but the information on the show obviously is for every company, every business, every organization around the world. So if you take it at a high level, this applies to everyone. Just wanted to clarify that. Let's go back around to Mike Price. Mike, anything you'd like to add to what your two esteemed and very, very smart co-panelists just shared about your topic before I move on? Uh, I don't think so. They they both agreed with me, and I agreed with them. So <laughs> you noticed, okay? I'm moving on. Indeed. I have a I have an interesting comment here from Fiona Critchley in her notes before the show. Let's attack this one. She asks the question: Is data centricity a buzzword? or a business imperative, or just common sense. And Fiona says she would argue, and that's what I want to talk about, argument, it is all three. Fiona, talk to me about the buzzword, the business imperative, the common sense, and then we'll see if your co-panelists, Mr. Gial and Mr. Price, agree or disagree with your argument. Go ahead, Fiona. So I suppose what we're saying is is, is at the core of uh, data centricity is, is about managing, governing, and, and governing where appropriate. So understanding that not all data is, is governed equally, um, ensuring that that data is secured, but then is also accessible. So very much to what we were talking about before, uh, removing the silos in an organisation and allowing that ability to leverage data across the organisation. By creating that, that sort of data-centric foundation, uh, you're really creating a democratised data set. And what you're trying to do is use that to accelerate trusted innovation um, and but also giving yourself a path from innovation to industrialization. One of the things we see uh, often in the marketplace is that there's early adoption of AI POCs and they're driving great value. But when you then try to industrialize and do those at, them at scale, there's this whole challenge around the, the missing components of data. So you see business innovation and change as being the new norm. So there's a business imperative that says I, I need to have AI and analytics at scale to drive business transformation. And to be able to do that at scale, I need my data democratization. So I think I've, I've argued that it's uh, a big imperative. And there's also an element of it. You know, Quite often when I talk to SAP practitioners, there's, there's a real understanding of the power of data and the need for data because it's been at the core of the SAP footprint for so long. So there's a lot of sort of common sense as a business imperative, and obviously if we, we take this whole concept and, and start calling it data centricity, well, we've just attached a buzzword, haven't we, and I've got my trifecta. 
There, I like that approach. We've got a trifecta. There you go. Mark Eagle, you're up first, sitting next to Fiona on that side around the table. Mark, agree or disagree with her argument on the trifecta? Feel free to disagree if you have a good point to make, or even if you don't. Go ahead, Mark. Um, it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose the, the dilemma is, in, in many ways, is, is what are we putting at the center of our organization, right? I mean, there can only be one, one core, as it were, and a lot of businesses talk about customer centricity, and we're now maybe sort of, you know, either moving the goalposts a little bit or, or flipping the model when we start to think about data centricity. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of more a believer that, that you know, yes, we, we, you need to have that sort of single and very focused point of view. And a lot of what we do is, is how do we, how do we excite and, and compel the customer to keep buying with us, right? No matter what business we're in, what service business or, or physical business we're in. So I think the customer still needs to be at the center of, of the business, but data is, is providing obviously a very, Important inputs. I think that the, the challenge, and this is maybe the challenge with with you know that we need to to solve, or many customers need to solve, is that just with the over growing sort of volume of 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 business data and business information that that Mike alluded to um, at the start of the show, um, there needs to be a degree of automation, right? I think that that. Mm-hmm. The risk that we have, especially if we move to this much more sort of data-centric sort of view of the world or data-centric enabled um, capabilities, is is we need to we need to start driving automation because it will just become overwhelming. There'll be too many decisions. There'll be too much information for we as as employees or we as individuals to, to process this. So. You, 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 we need to see this flip in terms of the acceptance that you know we now trust in the automation process. But more importantly, we can we can validate that. So when things do go wrong, because they will go wrong, um, that we can explain why that decision was made and what the what the uh, you know what the rationale was, what the model was that that supported that decision. Because otherwise, we're going to get into a quite a quite a, a challenging regulatory mess in the future. So. You know, I agree that data is becoming more important. I think that, that you know, we are at a point where probably the customer is still um, the most important aspect of the business, and data is an important indicator for how the customer is behaving, what do they want, what are they buying, why are they buying, or why not. Um, but, you know, we, we also need to think through, you know, how do you, how do you manage the data, how do, you, how do you cleanse the data, how do you validate the data and everything associated with it. Otherwise, you know, there are going to be a different set of business risks that we're going to have to address. Thank you very much. Well put. Mr. Mike Price, let's go. I'm trying to be formal and, and uh, sure. gentlewoman, gentlewomanly with our visitor from Atlanta. <laughs> Mike, agree or disagree? We've got a lot of interesting uh, information on the table. Agree or disagree with Mark and or Fiona, who started this? You know, I, I agree. I've I got a, maybe a different, a different spin on data centricity, though, in the sense that, well, like you said, you know, what, are, is it, what comes first, data centricity or, or the understanding of, of the business. I think, I, I think most clients, if you ask them, if you say, are you a data-centric business, they would say yes. Mm-hmm. They, they believe that they are. Um, now, where I'm going is that there's a deeper dive into what that actually means because I think a lot of businesses and companies, they do know what it means to do business. 
meaning the business processes, whether it's finance or or HR or supply chain or what have you, you know, these core business processes. Um, but when, but then when you ask, you know, are you, you know, how are you doing around running the business? There's a difference, mm-hmm. right? Because there's, there's the data that we use that's operational to do business, and then there's, and then there's experiential data that is that is actually how we run the business. And, and where Mark's coming from is, would 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 most CPG companies say they put the the, the customer at the center? Yes. Now, uh-huh. but do they do they truly understand what it means to run the business around that customer uh, in terms of customer experience, in terms of, you know, out of stock, avoiding out of stock situations, running effective trade promotions? You know, I'm, I'm speaking as an example from a CPG perspective, running effective trade promotions for products that that that, that their customer really wants or needs, um, you know, the, like I said, the understanding of how a trade promotion drives, um, it drives issues with inventory and out of stock and distribution. And, and do they have the AI and the automation that Mark's talking about at that level of the business? It's actually running the business, not, not taking, not taking invoices and ledger entries and those things that are very important from doing business, but, but actually running the business from an optimized perspective. If, if you look at data centricity from, from that overarching perspective, I think most companies will go, ah, well, maybe I'm not so data centric as I thought I was. <laughs> that, that, that's what I, at least I find in talking with a lot of clients. Holding up the mirror of truth. Reality check time. Fiona, this was your topic. Any comments back to, especially to Mike Price? What do you think? Um, yeah, no, I mean, myself and Mike talk about this a lot. So it's it's a challenge. How do you um, embed a, a data-driven culture into an organization? And uh, data centricity is one of those buzzwords we're seeing in the marketplace. And, and it's certainly not about the centralization of all data. You know, what, what we're seeing out there is, you know, I know 30 years ago when I started in this industry, it was about getting the right information for the right people at the right time. We know mm-hmm. about having the right data in the right place. Um, and what are we doing that for? We want to uh, unlock operational excellence. We want to transform the customer experience and, and, and the intimacy an organization has with its, its customer. You know, you want to enable a, a culture of curiosity and innovation. Uh, and it's about unlocking, as we've, we've talked extensively, I think, on, on this uh, call, uh, about uh, unlocking new routes to market. But all of that is about putting the business value proposition. So right back to where we started in this discussion, it's about how we monetizing and valuing the business outcomes and how we're using data to power them. And so we very much think a lot of the work we're doing at the moment is about proving value and then industrializing. So it's not about a we will build it, they come mentality that we had in the old EDW days, but mm-hmm. it's very much about customer um, and business uh, value proposition and, the, and then how we're monetizing data, but not just leaving data in its raw form, but turning it into that automated uh, activity or insight that is going to drive a, 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 an actionable outcome. 
Thank you very much, Fiona. Very interesting around the table. And I think we have time to squeeze in one more brief topic, maybe not for too much commentary, but Mark Gial, I have to read this. It's the first note you sent me on the roundtable portion of the show. You say, if data is the new oil... This means companies now need to invest in extraction, refinement, distribution, and retail capabilities to extol the value. Many companies are not ready for this supply chain of data. Interesting concept. Mark, can you just expand it? And then uh, we have to go into our crystal ball predictions round. And perhaps Mike Price and Fiona Critchley would like to talk about supply chain of data as the future of this topic. So, Mark, give us about two minutes, please, and then we'll go around the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously trying to overdo the analogy with the oil and gas industry in terms of, in terms of you know, extraction. I think I, th- I think this builds actually a lot on what Mike and Fiona have, I've just mentioned, right? I think there's to 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 become a data-centric business, then there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done to to bring the right data into the organisation to you know, extract that from your systems, to extract that from your customers, to extract that from, you know, social media so that you get those differing perspectives of, of what's relevant and why. And then it needs to be refined, right? We need to we need to make it trustworthy. We need to ensure that we can um, you know, check the, the, the provenance of the data, that it, it does reflect what we think it's reflecting that, you know, it is it is of the right era or, you know, it represents the, the right sort of time period that, that we want to that we want to assess and to analyze and then we need to put those those tools in place to, to try and, you know, pull those insights out because it can't just be done by individuals, right? There's some interpretation that can be done but there does need to be a degree of automation. So when you pull all of this together, I think there's a there's just a just a, a different way that businesses are going to need to think about data to ultimately, you know, become that data-centric business. And, and you know, it, 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 it's not just a question of investing in the platform, right? The, the platform is one part of it. Um, but to, to, to really sort of be able to make sort of proactive business decisions, companies need to invest in this concept of the modern data architecture um, that has... You know the governance and the the right levels of integration across the business, um, or or the you know it's just a house of cards that's going to fall down at some point, right? So it's, I think there's just a, a deep rooted implication and investment that many businesses are going to need to make if they're going to make this shift to become a data driven business. Thank you very much, Mark. Very profound observation there. Let's go around to, we have just 60 seconds for each of you on predictions. It should be on the topic or sports, nothing beyond that. So, Mike Price, I'm ready for you. (laughs) Crystal ball, lightning round, 60 seconds. Mike Price in Atlanta, Georgia at Capgemini. Go! Very good. Okay, I'll time myself. Yeah, so (laughs) so at the outset, Bonnie, my my prediction is is that we're people, right, and we're running businesses and and we will get it right, and, and the platforms and the technologies will continue to evolve and support what we're trying to accomplish. But, but my prediction overall is, is, that, is that winners, the, the true winners in industry, irrespective of your industry, will emerge um, across all the industries because of their mastery of, of data and the data usages. I mean, we're already seeing it, you know, smart everything, but then there will be AI for everything. You know your healthcare will your healthcare diagnoses will be nearly 100% automated. Um, sure, autonomous vehicles, but you're going to see autonomous 
everything around logistics. Hopefully you won't have to do your taxes anymore because that will be automated. Point is, is that in each of these industries, whoever owns the most data, and more important, the data about the data is going to win. Data about the data. Mark, there's another topic for a future show, the data about the data. I like that. Fiona Critchley, I've got 60 seconds for you for your prediction, please. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to be a little bit cheeky. I'm going to say my prediction is that businesses are going to catch up with their employees and their customers. So my my premise is that uh, when I get up on a Saturday morning, uh, I don't get out of bed without referring to my data assets. I, I go open my phone and I check the weather and I, I decide what activities I want to do, where I want to go to, what I want to achieve. And most of my personal activities are data-driven today using um, AI and uh, intelligent apps. So I, I think we're living in a world of tremendous opportunity because change and change resistance has always been one of the biggest blockers to success. And you're actually living in a world where people, customers, employees are already embracing a culture of AI and data. And what we're really talking about is infusing that into the way in which businesses transform. Thank you very much. Very insightful as always. Mr. Mark Giall, let's wrap this up. I can give you 90 seconds because they were so brief and to the point and concise. So, Mark, what do you have to say? Prediction, please. Oh, um it's a tough one, right? I think I think two, maybe two predictions. I think I think one, we need to see this this idea of democratization um, occur, right? I think with 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 many new things, there there needs to be a period of democratization. We everyone's very focused today on data science, sub data science, and the fact there's a shortage of specialists out there. We need to see this this democratization happen for for this to become mainstream, right? We saw it in in the manufacturing space in the in the in the late nineties where there was a suddenly a significant shift in the way uh, businesses were able to take advantage of simulation software. It was when it became democratized that it, it became injected into everything a manufacturing business did and that led to dramatic changes in, in quality costs and and time to deliver new products. And I think we need to see the same with, with data. Um, and then I think the second prediction is is we as as individuals need to really think about the inherent value of data. I think we're, I alluded to this before, very naive in terms of how we think about the value of even our own data, right? Our willingness to share it pretty much everywhere. I think as as we become more sophisticated in terms of the value of, of our own information and our own sort of, you know, personal data, um, that, that could have implications for, for how willingness we are to share it and, and how well that will then be adopted and you know do, do you almost see a, a sort of a little bit of a hiatus right where we, we start moving on the path people become a little bit more circumspect before the before they're willing to, to recommit because they see the ultimate value to them as as individuals so you know I think we need to see democratization and then we need to see um, you know some change in in our own sort of ability to to understand the value of the data that we're providing. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I have to I have to cut you off. I think we're we got the makings for a part two on this topic. So thank you very much. We are out of time. Hate to say that, but it's true. I want to thank my special guests, and I want to do a special shout out to Nikki Kraken at SAP and Marsha Malinowski for supporting getting this show together and helping us with our panelists and all the deliverables. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Another thank you also to our engineer. Extra- 
extraordinaire, Mr. Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com, the business channel. So here's my call to action. And thank you, Mark, of course, and Torsten Leidick for sponsoring this series. We really appreciate all of your efforts to keep this great information in front of our listeners. So here we go. What are you waiting for? It's time to go out and be a game changer today. Just like Mike Price at Capgemini, just like Fiona Critchley at Capgemini, and of course, just like Mark Giall at SAP. I'm Bonnie DeGram signing off. I'll be back in one hour. You can count down with me with Megatrends talking about, ooh, sustainable energy. You don't want to miss that one. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.